Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. From time to time, I like to read some NDE reports and spiritually transformative experiences from the files of IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, as examples of how important the numerous services of IANS can be. Stories like these are sent out monthly to members, and the IANS annual conferences are inspirational. By the way, the 2024 conference is planned for the Phoenix, Arizona area over the coming Labor Day weekend. I missed this year's on account of COVID, but I plan to make the next one. Check out the IANS website for more information. This selection was taken from accounts submitted to IANS and is provided here anonymously. I like these stories especially for demonstrating near-death-like experiences. Um, They can be triggered by situations that do not include dying. In this first account, a woman shares an experience she had during meditation. She wrote, Believe it or not, I was meditating. It was my first time meditating, and I always wanted to learn how. After some tips from a friend, I tried again when I found myself home alone, which is rare when you have three kids. I had believed I had to be dead to find myself in heaven. I 100% know it wasn't a dream. It's still amazing to me it happened. I've always believed my experience is meant to be shared. To experience that kind of love, I have to share it. Wow, I can't stress enough the love God has for us, the warmth that covered me and how unconditional it made me feel. It made me feel perfect, perfectly loved as I am, no matter what. You hear people say they don't want to come back to this earthly life. It's true. I believe if Jesus had given me the option to stay in heaven, I think I would have stayed. Knowing God is waiting for me after this life makes it challenging to live this earthly life because here it is nothing like heaven, obviously. What I try to do is share God's love and grace. The one thing I have now after my visit is that I no longer fear much. I believe we were meant to live with no fear, to live, live like no one is watching. I heard someone say recently something to the effect of, you have to live this life to get to the next life, meaning to get to heaven. Such a true statement. I know this is long enough. I just get so excited to share that here's my testimony. I find myself walking on green grass, the most beautiful, greenest green I'd ever seen. I notice the colors are so bright and vivid, so gorgeous, incredible, so unimaginable, it's difficult to describe. I see a picnic table where a man and a boy sit. I begin walking towards them. I notice a feeling of unconditional love, so much stronger than I've ever known. It feels like a warm, tingling blanket covering me. There's absolutely no question I'm so very much loved here. I feel so perfect. I feel so wanted here, like I belong, almost as if I was lost for a long time. And now happiness is in the air because I'm found. 
I know this place is heaven. As I get closer to the picnic table, the man stands up. I glance at the boy whose hair reminds me of my son's hair when he was younger. The man takes a step towards me and begins to open his arms to his side. I'm not sure who he is. At first glance, I think maybe David, because he looks similar to pictures I've seen. As his arms lift higher by his head, he says, we are waiting for you. I take a step back and realize this man is Jesus. He doesn't look like the pictures I see normally of him with the long beard and long hair. He has sandy blonde hair, short beard, blue, green, hazel eyes. My heart leaps like it's going to jump out of my chest, and I find myself in my home again. I want to go back to heaven. I believe the boy is my firstborn child that I lost while pregnant. I wish I could have hugged him and spent time with him. I wish I could have spent more time with Jesus. I believe I had this experience because I've often wondered if I'm doing things right. Will Jesus approve? Will God approve? I'd also thought often of my son as well as of my grandparents and how I miss them so much. Jesus' words that he spoke to me tell me that I'm a child of God and he has a place waiting for me. As the days passed after my visit, I began to realize my fear of anything has drastically been reduced, if not completely gone. I'm not worried about the problems I face anymore. I know who has my back. I know where I'm going when this life is over. I'm looking forward to it. Here the account ends. But I would suggest, if you haven't tried meditation, that you see for yourself. In this next account from Ions, a man in his mid-sixties looks back almost eight years to a brief in-hospital near-death experience which confirmed for him the power of love. The experiencer writes, I had double knee replacement surgery in 2014. I was discharged two days later and sent to a rehab facility. I developed blood clots in my legs, lungs, and on my heart. I was rushed to the ER. My wife was waiting for me when I got there. I was on 100% oxygen but could barely breathe. I was lucid and talking to my wife when I began to feel a pull from behind. I was slipping or sliding backwards. That's when I noticed that I was losing all sense of pain. I realized at that moment that I was going to die. A tunnel formed around me, and I somehow knew this was the beginning of the death process. I was happy and serene in the knowledge that I was going home. The experience felt familiar and natural. My only negative thought was that I was leaving my wife. Daria and I have had many shared mystical experiences. As a couple, we have been one many times. We share the same dreams sometimes and talk about them afterwards. Ours is a great love story. I wanted to tell her how much in love with her I was and that we would never end. As I began to say, we will never end, she looked at me and she said, oh no, you're not leaving me. As she spoke, a great light flooded the room. Daria was lit up like an angel. I saw a third eye on her as in a Hindu archetype. I was amazed at how beautiful she looked. She later asked me about the quizzical look she saw on my face. I immediately began to slide back toward her. 
The pain returned, and I was informed that I would be going to a hospital that was better equipped to deal with my situation. When I got there, I was greeted by at least 12 staff members. I was told that my chances were not good, and would I like to see a pastor? I said, sure. The pastor was a Latino gentleman who asked me a few questions about myself and then proceeded to get everyone in the room to form a prayer circle around me. After the prayer, he proceeded to put his hand on my head and then verbally went off in a mix of Spanish and Latin. He leaned into me and said, that's a little something extra from me. I was in the ICU for about five weeks. During that time, people in our neighborhood and community began sending prayers out for me, our Muslim friends, our Jewish friends, our Christian friends, and others who try to serve selflessly as best they can. My mind and thoughts seemed to take me to where the prayers were being offered. I was there. I remember that while in the tunnel I noticed what might be described as demons hanging in the shadows, they tried to scare me or make me angry. Somehow I knew they could not harm me. As long as I was not afraid or tried to return their anger with anger of my own, they couldn't harm me. How did I know this? There is so much more to this story. I do know this. Our Heavenly Father knew and saw how much Darya and I love each other and blessed us with more time together here. He didn't want me to come home with sadness in my heart. We are blessed. In the years since the my experience, I have had many experiences that bring more clarity to me every day. Sadly, the people I thought would be the most interested and supportive of me and my experience were not. Others wanted to know many things like, will I see my mother? I'm willing to talk to anyone who is genu genuinely interested in my experiences. After almost eight years, I still feel joy that is beyond words. God is so loving and totally on our side. Yes, love is the true power. The collective love of so many people during my experience has shown me that all is well because our Father has everything in hand. And here the account ends. In this submission to Ians, a 36-year-old man remembers his grandmother's death and his own trauma from a car accident. He remembers leaving his body and seeing a fire being who cauterized an artery in his body so he didn't bleed to death. He feels his grandmother is the lucky one because she got to go along with the being. He writes, It was two days after the Thanksgiving holiday in 1997 when my grandmother and I were in our car accident. It was late at night and raining. The car hydroplaned and flipped several times before hitting a culvert. Upon impact, I was thrown from the car. My grandmother tried to hold me, hold on to me. That resulted in her right wrist breaking and my left, left wrist breaking. I was thrown approximately 60 feet and hit a tree. I remember crawling back to her, and I have scars from the grass and debris on my elbows and knees as a result. I held her head in my lap, and I I believe that she was expiring, or had expired by that time. I was hoping that she would come back. I was crying, hurting, and a bit hysterical at what had happened. I was also alone in the dark on a country highway with little traffic. Then to my left, I saw headlights approaching, and I thought, thank God someone is going to see us and help. 
The vehicle slowed down and a couple raced to where we were. I recognized the lady as Sister Teresa, my youth pastor. We had only very recently started attending her church. She was asking questions like, what is your name, phone number, address? I interrupted her and asked that she just pray. I knew somewhere in my heart and mind that only God could intervene and save us. I think deep down I was hoping my grandmother would come back to life, but that was not to be. I remember hearing them beginning to pray along with the children from the youth group who were with them. At this point, I lost consciousness or died. I then immediately began to view the group and myself from a bit higher, from a bit higher perspective. I could see them and hear them praying, but I could also see myself sort of below and to the side. It was as if I was standing over my own right shoulder. I then remember understanding that I was no longer in my body, but I didn't mind. I could no longer feel any pain at all of the trauma immediately dissipated. I then became aware that there was a being to my left. I couldn't actually look at it because it was so bright. I didn't notice a face or anything like that. It seemed to be what I can only describe as a being of fire, and it was tall and extremely bright. It wasn't hot, though. I didn't feel any heat coming from it, and it wasn't cold either. The color was also something I've never seen before or since. It was somewhere between white and gold. The closest thing to this color would be, be how the sun looks at midday. It didn't say anything to me but I understood immediately what it was there for, and it was emitting an intense feeling of love and compassion. It reached down and touched my body on the left side near the stomach area. The moment it did that, I felt partially back in connection with my body. I felt a sensation of warmth where it touched me that spread throughout my whole body. Along with this came an immense feeling of what I can only describe as pure love and ecstasy. I've never, ever felt a feeling as intense and good before or since. At that same moment, I realized that where this being came from felt like this all the time. I immediately wanted to go with this being. I didn't care about anything or anyone on earth that I would leave behind. I knew this being was going home and that is that is where I wanted to be. It refused my request without words. All of this was being communicated through thought or more like just knowing. I also no longer felt sad for my grandmother's body because I also knew that she was going with this being, and I accepted that. In that moment, I felt like she was the lucky one. This exchange felt like several minutes, but it was only seconds on the earth plane. Once it refused me and forced me to stay, I was wholly back in my body. I was now awake and looking at the pray praying group face to face. At this moment, the ambulance had arrived and began prepping me for a long ride to the closest hospital that could treat my condition. The ambulance drivers had told my grandfather that they wouldn't give a nickel for my life at this point because they didn't think I'd make it through the ride. My mom had beat the ambulance to the hospital. As they arrived with me, they allowed her to walk with the gurney back to the surgery room. I could tell she was very distressed, and I smiled at her and told her not to worry that everything was going to be fine because it 
had already healed me. After a few days in ICU and two weeks in the hospital, I was allowed to go home. Shortly after that, the surgeon, Dr. Braun, requested a checkup at his office. And when we sat down across from his desk, he told me I was extremely lucky to be alive. He also said he didn't understand how I was alive other than a miracle. He stated that when he went to operate on me, that my spleen had been shredded. However, the main artery to my spleen had been cauterized, which had stopped me from completely bleeding out internally. I really struggled with telling anyone about what happened to me. First, I didn't remember anything until years later, but I had a sense of something profound having taken place. In my early teen years, it had begun to come back via flashbacks and dreams of remembering. At that point, I didn't want people to think I was hallucinating or crazy. However, when I was in my late teens, I came across a TV show that was discussing NDEs and the effects on the people that experienced them. These stories immediately began to be relatable. They described some of the very same things I had experienced. Now I tend to tell everyone that I get a chance to talk with. I yearn to be able to allow everyone, anyone really, to experience the feeling I had experienced. Nothing compares. I no longer fear death or mourn the same way others do when someone transitions. I have also had a change in my faith. I've become more spiritual than my previous strict Christian doctrine. I also became comfortable with my sexuality versus hating myself or thinking I'm broken. I've suffered a bit of depression. I think it's mostly from childhood trauma. But a small part of me still longs to be with home, to be home, and not stuck in this body. I enjoy more nature, reading, connections with people, ability to love all living things, and an expanded awareness. I've also experienced many of what some would call psychic premonitions, what I call divine knowledge, since the incident. I never had that as a young child. I think that short but profound connections with the being left a mark on my life and soul, similar to how a finger leaves a print on clear glass. Very recently, I've struggled with what my purpose is, considering the extraordinary event that took place so many years ago, And finally, the answer came to me. Tell my people what I have done. I hope this is a step in that direction. And here his account ends. In the following near-death-like experience, a suicidally depressed young man is taken out of his body, hears God's voice, and learns how God views his life. He feels unconditional love and suddenly realizes He wants to live to help others by showing them grace and love. In his submission to Ions, he writes, Hi, my name is Josh. First, I will tell you a little about my past. I had a fun and loving childhood. In middle school, I got saved. And during middle school, I started going through some type of depression. Years later, I decided that it probably was hormonal youth changes or something. The depression lingered around even while having a good life. It became disturbing that I could never pinpoint why I struggled with depression. I always tried to be nice to everyone, and most people were nice to me. In high school, I went through some real lows through my parents' divorce, and I didn't have a clue who I was or what my purpose was in life. 
I prayed and fought with God, trying to understand life. One night, I felt as though I wasn't able to live anymore. I went and found a pistol that my mom kept in the house. We had just gone to the shooting range a couple weeks before just to make sure it still worked in case of ever having an intruder come into the house. I took the pistol behind the house, got on my knees, praying to God that I'm sorry that I had to do it, but I just couldn't stay here any longer. I was sobbing, but I put the gun to my head and pulled the trigger. It just clicked. I pulled it over and over, and it just kept clicking. I threw myself down and screamed that I couldn't even kill myself. I told my mom what had happened, and she took me to get depression medicine. She had the gun checked, and apparently the firing pin had broken, which was not a common thing. The medicine made me feel like a zombie, and I tried several more with no luck, so I quit trying after a year and tried to get on with my life. I got married in 2006 to my high school girlfriend, whom I'm still married to. In and out of depression, we had our first child in 2008. After we were pregnant, I had many new questions arise, like, how am I going to raise my boy when I don't even know how to live? I decided to actually read the Bible myself this time instead of just mainly listening to preachers. It was shocking. I took the Bible very literally, and the Old Testament painted a very different picture of God than I had thought. I had always questioned how a loving God could send anyone to hell, but that was my only problem then. Now I had more. I decided to get a concordance to look into the Hebrew and Greek words of the Bible, which instantly caused me to start questioning the hell I was taught. My struggle started then with God and why all the confusion in the world if he loves us? That pushed my depression deeper and deeper. In 2017, I decided to give up on God. He never really answered me anyway. Is he even there? If he is, is he someone I would actually want to love anyway with the way things appeared to be going on earth with his creation? Accept Jesus or go to hell? What about all those born in different parts of the world with very different religious beliefs? Is it their fault they were born into another religion? I started doing things that I wanted to do without all the guilt. I decided to quit playing the world's game, choose my own path. No regrets, no worries about what others thought. Giving up on God was fairly easy, but I couldn't help but care about what others thought, which still led me to some degree of guilt. I decided that the only way to quit playing the game was to take myself out of it. I felt like if there was a hell, it couldn't possibly feel worse than what I felt in this world. So I talked to my wife, who stayed with me through all of my chaotic mind mess and depression. We had three children by this time. I told her I couldn't do it anymore. She knew that I felt suicidal already. I was always open with her. She said she wanted me to be happy no matter what that means, even though she would be horribly sad without me. She asked if I would wait one year and try medicine and therapy the whole time to give it one more really good try, and I agreed. I found a therapist that I liked and finally found some depression medicine that was bearable. I was still depressed, though. Almost every time I left the therapist's office, I felt better 
that better lasted an hour or two most of the time, and then back to reality, which was the depression. I was happy knowing uh, this was it, my last year. As the months got closer, I could feel the relief coming, almost excitement about my planned suicide in January to come. One evening in November, I got home from playing basketball with some friends. We played every Tuesday. I didn't get home until about 9.15 p.m. that night, and my wife and kids were already in bed. I took a shower, put on PJs, and made a bowl of cereal to eat while I watched some TV. A few minutes of TV and a few bites of cereal in, I found myself in complete darkness. I was just in my recliner eating cereal, and now it felt as though I was standing up in a completely dark room all alone. I was confused, but not scared. Then I heard a voice that said, Look. I somehow knew it was God and didn't even question it, like it was just completely known to me. Then a sound started up on like an old movie film projector. It was just clicking, and then a light was in the right side of my vision. Then the movie started, and the voice said, This is your life. It was from my earliest childhood until the present. It felt as though I experienced all my life in one moment, and then it was dark again. Then the voice said, This is your life and how you see it. The projector started back up and started rolling again, only this time there was like an EKG graph above it, you know, with the horizontal line down the center and how it spikes like mountains above the line, but it could also spike like mountains below the line too. Every moment of my life, the spikes would go above the median line if I did something good or below the line if it felt like I had done something wrong or bad. It went all the way through my life again with many peaks and valleys on the chart, and then it went black again. Then the voice said, Now, this is how I see your life. The film started up again with the same graph above it. This time, the line never moved. It stayed flat in the center, never peaking or valleying through my whole life. About halfway through my life review this time, I started crying horribly. I fell to my knees in the dark, sobbing. I'd never felt love like that before. True love, no judgments whatsoever. True, unconditional love. In that state, my love was reciprocating back to God as he was giving it. I had no choice. As his love poured into me, it went straight back to him in perfect, loving harmony. This was God, the true God, no lies, no BS, true perfection. Then it entered my awareness like information pouring into me. I knew instantly that I could kill myself, but I answered that statement with a resounding, no, I can't leave now. With this information or good news, I had to stay. I wanted to stay, not for me, but for anyone else. I knew then that I had to stay to show grace and love. Even if it was only to one person, it was worth it to stay. If I could only hold the door open for one person or carry groceries for one person or help out anyone in any way, I had to stay. God could take me at his choosing, but I was choosing to wait for his timing for my bodily death. 
And while I am here, I am here for them. By them, I mean anyone and everyone, even if it's just the kind of conversation to the lonely, um, uh, anything at all. I knew I was changed forever. I came back into life right after that. I was instantly back in the recliner, TV on, bowl of cereal in my lap with a wet shirt where tears had been dripping from my face. I was in shock from what had just happened. I knew that what happened was even more real than anything. There was not one bit of doubt about what had happened. and There hasn't been any doubt since. That was in November 2019. My life hasn't been and will not ever be the same. I didn't say anything, not even to my wife for a little while. I didn't want to get her hopes up. The next morning I got up and started cutting my depression medicine in half to start coming off it. I was off it completely within a month. I did this because the doctors warned me about coming off abruptly. I didn't tell my wife that I came off. I also didn't schedule any more therapy. Something else accompanied my experience and still does to this day. Every day or two for about six months after the initial experience, I would receive knowledge or information that would blow my mind. At first, I didn't know what was going on or if it was true. Then I started researching some of the things that were being given to me. I looked into all religions. I'd never studied any other religion before because I was told that I would possibly be deceived by the devil and lose faith in Jesus. I looked into history, especially first civilization history, and epics and myths. I looked into astronomy, astrology, science, math, quantum, everything philosophers, scientists, so many things. As I would receive information, I would search for confirmation, and I always found it. It was like I learned more in one year than in my entire lifetime. The truth that I know now is that God is everything and nothingness. We are a part of God, and we are perfect. This whole world is still evolving, and so are we as people, constantly expanding and growing and understanding. Everything is as it should be, and it couldn't be anything other. It only feels other than that when we start uh, making claims to things, judging things, possessing things. We are here to be alive, to be living. We get to witness ourselves in all of God's glory, uh, which is everything. The person that we believe we are is only fiction. We made it up in our minds, LOL. We actually made up everything and now believe in it. We made up right and wrong, good and bad, up and down, and all the objects we've named and given them meaning and created their usefulness. But that is our creation, not God's. God's is just for us to be. That is it. He takes care of everything else. And he is perfect for us, knowing exactly what we want, need, desire, fear, love. He knows it more intimately than a mother knows her child, because he is not only our father, mother, brother, friend, counselor, teacher, etc. He is us, and we are him. I found out that we are one, thinking we are separate. So how you treat someone is actually how you are treating yourself. And how you treat yourself is how you are treating others, literally. 
I found out that once you know God, your trust in him becomes 100%, naturally, not trying. When you know how much he loves, you would not put trust anywhere else. So even if you think something is bad or good, just know that doesn't matter. It's always for you to grow, learn, and eventually find yourself slash God. I know this may sound weird, but I could go on and on forever. And uh, But it just feels good to put some of this in writing. If anyone is reading this, thank you so much for your time. Bless you. And here ends Josh's account. And our show for today. My thanks to Ions for all they do, and I would encourage listeners to write up their own experiences and send them to Ions. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived, ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.